Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So as excited, as excited as Jacob was to go down into Egypt, to see, he's going to see Joseph again. This is his great desire of his life. Jacob caught a hold of, uh, 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 he just caught a hold of himself and he said, wait a minute, I can't go down without God. As much as I want to see Joseph, I, 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 I won't even do that without God. And he's all excited to go down to Egypt, but, but his, his soul kind of rises up and he says, don't go down there without your God. And make sure that God's going down with you into Egypt. The same, you know, we, we sing this great song, Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. Anywhere he leads me in this world below. Anywhere without him, dearest joys would fade. Anywhere with Jesus, I'm not afraid. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. And then in another part of the hymn, there's this great phrase where it says, Anywhere with Jesus is a house of praise. I love that. Anywhere with Jesus is a house of praise. We can go anywhere with Jesus, and we can't go anywhere without Jesus. Because Joseph, I mean, Jacob at this time, he's really yearning. He says, I got to make sure I have this companionship of God as I go down. There's friendship with God. That's what he was seeking as he stopped there at Beersheba to offer these sacrifices. And with this Beersheba stop, he was saying, I don't care how much food I can have in Egypt. I don't care how beautiful the land is of Goshen down there in Egypt. If I don't have God's assurance to go with me in Egypt, I won't go. So he stops at Beersheba, and he finds this altar. It's such a special altar. Abraham built this altar. His father, Isaac, worshiped at this altar. It's like a family altar. It is a family altar. And, and, and he bows at this altar in Beersheba. Just like Abraham bowed at that altar in Beersheba, something like close to 200 years before. Just like Isaac bowed at that same altar. So here's Jacob. He's bowing at the same altar. And with this scene of Jacob bowing at this altar, there's like a tie, a tie-in together of all the three patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob now all worship at this altar in Beersheba. This is the family altar. And maybe it, maybe Jacob was afraid, and he says, you know, this altar is familiar to me, but where in Egypt am I going to have my altar? i gotta, I got to worship at this altar because I don't know if I'm going to have this again. Anywhere with Jesus is a house of praise. I remember ha- having that fear one time. I was traveling through Europe. It was during the summer on a business trip, and, and I always... It, like to have my morning devotions in a park 
So, you know, there was the, the, the park bench, you know, or on a hotel balcony or something like that. And I remember I was in London at this time, and there was no park nearby, and, the, and there was no balcony. And so I went out, and I thought, oh, it's kind of the, where am I going to have my devotions? And, and I saw that there were some empty picnic benches, but it was outside a bar. <laughs> the bar was closed. So I sat there at that in, in those picnic benches. The stuff reeked of booze all around it and other bad smells. And, 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 I, and I had a wonderful time with the Lord, and I thought to myself, anywhere with Jesus is a house of praise, even outside this bar. Well, okay, so Jacob is coming to realize that, okay, he's going to leave Canaan now, and, and that his faith was not built on a place. It wasn't built on Beersheba, but it was on a person. His faith was built on Jehovah Jesus, and if Jehovah Jesus goes with Jacob down into Egypt, then Egypt's going to be Jacob's new home, just like David put it this way. So beautifully, David put it in Psalm 91.9, or maybe that was Moses. But anyway, the psalmist said in Psalm 91.9, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. You made the Lord your home. See, Jacob's home was not Canaan. Jacob's home was not Egypt. Jacob's home was Jehovah Jesus. And if Jacob was with Jehovah Jesus in Canaan, Canaan was Jacob's home. And if Jacob was with Jehovah Jesus in Egypt, Egypt was Canaan's home. Why? Because of Psalm 91.9. Because thou hast made the Lord which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation, thy home. Now, it seems like for Jacob, this was something like a whistle stop at this Beersheba, but, but you know, it, it was more than just a whistle stop because there was at least one night spent there at Beersheba. Because we read in verse 2 that God answered Jacob in the visions of the night. So, God answers the cares of Jacob's heart, and he answers the cares by giving Jacob a title for himself, a very meaningful title, when he said in verse 3, I am God, the God of thy father. And when he said this, God used a name, a very special name, the name El, to describe himself. When he said that, he said, I am El, or literally, as it is in the Hebrew, I am the L, the L. The name L indicates the might of God, the strength and power of God. El Shaddai, the almighty God. So with this title L, God is telling Jacob that, look, Jacob, I am able as the almighty God, as the mighty God, to protect you in a very scary land of Egypt. So when Jacob came to Beersheba, he was in this state of, Egypt? I'm going to be destroyed in Egypt. You know, Jacob was always afraid of the fact that he had such a small number in his family. And when he looked at the large number of peoples that are around him, remember, this was the fear that he expressed to his sons after they killed the Shechemites. In Genesis 34.30, Genesis 34, 30, where it says, And Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have troubled me to make me stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. I, being few in number, 
they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed in my house. So if Jacob was afraid that he was small in number in comparison to the Canaanites and the Perizzites, he's terrified when he thinks of his small number compared to the Egyptians. I mean, this really bothered him. This bothered Jacob. And it was true that, okay, Joseph is the ruler in the, of Egypt, but, you know, Joseph was not an Egyptian. And, and what if anything happened to Joseph? Or what if there was a new pharaoh that came that knew not Joseph? <laughs> then what would happen to him, you know? I mean, everyone was talking about Joseph and talking about his glory in Egypt, but he was just human. Joseph was just human, and Jacob was afraid that, that, of that. And this is where God's response in verse 3 was so meaningful to Jacob when he said, yes, Jacob, everyone is talking about Joseph's power and glory in Egypt, but I am the El. I am the mighty God. I am the God of eternity. I am the God of creation, and I surpass Joseph. And that was just the message of assurance that Jacob needed to hear. I mean, has that ever happened to you? Like me, where you have this, making a big deal over some person, someone's gonna give you a tremendous break in business and make you successful. He's got a lot of money, he's got a lot of influence, he's got a lot of powers. And then that person lets you down, and that's why it's so much more important to hear God say to us, as he said to Jacob, I am El, I am the God. As the mighty God, one of the greatest promises that you and I can take into a trial is a promise which I literally took into two court trials. I hope I don't have any more to go through, but I might. And I wrote this verse down. Pastor Jim gave it to me years ago. And I wrote this down, and every day I sat in the court in those two trials, I opened it up and I read this verse, which is Isaiah 54, 17. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, sounds like court, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. You know, this last week, I watched in amazement during the vote count at the United Nations as, as, as all the nations except for eight, and some of those nations I have never even heard of before, you know, all the nations with the support of the Pope voted in the UN to oppose Israel having its capital in, in Jerusalem and, to be and that capital to be recognized by the U.S., I mean, the nations had formed a weapon. The nations under the UN had formed a weapon against Israel was the UN resolution to oppose Israel's capital of Jerusalem. And I can almost you can just imagine God saying about that UN's resolution that, 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 that was formed as a weapon against Israel, no weapon that is formed against you, no re UN resolution that is formed against Israel shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against Israel, and there were a lot of tongues on that day that rose up against Israel last week at the UN, most notably the, the ruler of Turkey. God promised that every tongue that rises against Israel in, in, in judgment that Israel will condemn. 
And, and we've witnessed this truth, whether it was another pharaoh in Egypt, whether it was Haman, whether it was Herod, whether it was Hitler. Okay, so then God tells Jacob, you should not fear to go down into Egypt. And that was all Jacob needed to hear about the assurance that he needed to go down to Egypt. Now, Jacob's got a lot of fears about what could happen in Egypt, the least of which was not how Jacob found the Egyptians. When Jacob thought of the Egyptians, he thought they're so unreliable. They're so untrustworthy. I mean, everything was going well, and then all of a sudden his son Simeon is taken as a prisoner, and then they got to have Benjamin is demanded. And even though Joseph was behind all that, it was just hard for him to process all that information. And so he just kind of thought it's scary to move down there. And in the end, it wasn't the invitation of Pharaoh that brought him down there. It wasn't the preparations that Joseph had made to nourish him down there. It wasn't those tokens of love that had his sent. But it was the Egyptian wagons that convinced him to go down into Egypt. It was this word in verse 3, fear not to go down into Egypt. And that makes the difference for Jacob to convince him, go down into Egypt. Now, God now reveals to Jacob that he's got an ultimate plan in verse 3. I will there make of thee a great nation. Now, he, he hears this, that, that, that God's going to make the chosen family of 70 people a chosen nation. I mean, it reminds me of Netanyahu's book when he wrote that book, you know, A Place Among the Nations. It was almost like, can we just have a place among the nations? And then when God said to, to Jacob that he was the God of his father, he was reminding Jacob, Jacob, think back to your father. Think back to Isaac. And there was a very special memory in Jacob's life between he and his father. And it was the time when Isaac last spoke to Jacob when he left home. And that was the time that Isaac finally realized that that yes, Jacob had deceived him in, in, in getting the birthright that he wanted to give to Isaac, but Isaac realized he was wrong and that it was really God who was wanting the birthright to go to him. So when Isaac, go to Jacob, when Isaac comes to himself in this state and realizes that he's been wrong because his first call was to Esau, come Esau, Make me venison that my soul may bless you before I die. That was what he said. But then when he comes to the full realization and he awakes out of this stupor of, of, of stubbornness and gets on God's page, it says in Genesis 28, 8, 28, 1, Genesis 28, 1, it says, and Isaac called Jacob. See, that was important. Isaac was not calling Esau the but Isaac now is calling Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. Then he said in verse 3, Genesis 28, 3, And God Almighty, there's that name, El again, God Almighty, bless thee, make thee fruitful, multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people. Very important. 
See, in this verse here, he, Isaac's calling Jacob. He knows it's now Jacob, it's not Esau. He's forgotten about Esau. And he says, he calls on this name, the mightiness of God. God, El, the mightiness of, he says, actually, El Shaddai. El Shaddai was, should bless you, should bring a certain blessing on you. You should develop into a multitude of people. Now, those are the last words that rang in Jacob's ears as he left home. It was his father calling on him from El Shaddai, the mighty God, that he should become a multitude of people. And now, so many years later, Jacob is now at Beersheba. He's offering these sacrifices, and God says to him, I am that God that your father called the blessing on. I am El, the same El that Isaac used to bless you. And that's why God says to Jacob that he was the God of his father, the God of your father. He's bringing him back to that promise. He's saying, Jacob, you remember when your father called on me as El to make you a multitude of people? Do you remember that, Jacob? Well, now is the time for the beginning of that blessing to start and I'm going to make you this multitude of people down in Egypt. It's going to be down there. Now, this, this was a promise that his father had made, had called on him, called on God to bless him with. And then God reaffirmed this to him when he was, that he was going to make him a multitude of people. And this was right after the terrible tragedy of his daughter being defiled, Dina, and the murder of the Shechemites, that was one of the most terrible low times in Jacob's life. And, and at that time, Jacob was very disturbed. As we just saw, he was worried he was going to be killed by his neighbors. He needed stability. And God told him, Jacob, go to Bethel and, and make the altar. And he builds an altar there. He worships God. And then when Jacob did that, then God reassured him of his plan in Genesis 35, 11, Genesis 35, 11, God said unto him, I am El. I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. Remember that, those, that, that term, Jacob? That's what your father had used to call the blessing for you. I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. So Jacob had to believe God that he was going to make him a nation because Jacob looked at his family, he only sees 70 people, which is a far cry from being a nation. But God said, but, but that God said he'd make him a nation, and then Jacob believed God. And we think of the, tr- what was going on in Jacob's life there, the tragedy with Dina and, and Shechem. We can see a person in Jacob moving through life with, with ups and downs and ups and downs. And that was a downtime for him. And, and that's what we see. And that's the way it is in our lives, this sort of like winding path, but ups and downs, but always going in the same direction. Same with us, ups and downs, but we're moving in the direction to be with the Lord Jesus. So when God said that he would there, in Egypt, make him a great nation. God's sending a message to Jacob, and that is, he's saying to Jacob, Egypt is gonna be the perfect place for me to develop you into a nation. Now, (coughs) 
by saying that, he's saying, Canaan is not a good place for you to become a nation because there's a danger in Canaan, right? The Canaanite women. There was a danger of intermarrying with the Canaanites. I mean, this is what Judah did. He would have been long lost had he not been put into the shame of having a baby with his daughter-in-law, and he left the Canaanites in total shame. But otherwise, he never would have returned home. So God decided that Jacob had to leave Canaan to develop into a nation that was not going to be lost among intermarrying of the Canaanites. And the Amorites were also a part of Canaan, and they were developing. The Amorites were developing. And God talked about that when he made the promise to Abraham in Genesis 15, 16. He says, but in the fourth generation, they shall come hither. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. The Amorites were developing their iniquity. It was getting more and more. The cup was filling up. And this raises the question now as to, okay, it was really bad there in Canaan, but why would there be no danger to the Jewish people to become intermarried with the Egyptians? I mean, if there's one thing that Jacob knew about his sons is that they did not have the gift of celibacy. <laughs> okay, They liked women. They liked pretty women. And Jacob knew that the women down there in Egypt, they're like Cleopatra. They're attractive and they're seductive. And so Jacob knew that his sons would fall like flies before those Egyptian women. So Jacob had reason to be afraid of his sons intermarrying with the Egyptians and for his seed just to become swallowed up in a sea of Egyptian women. So why do you think that when God sent Israel down into Egypt that there was not going to be this danger of the, of the Jewish men intermarrying with the Egyptian women. Why do you think that was? Communicating makes for a pretty hard date. <laughs> you can't talk to each other. You can smile. Anything else? Yeah, they were an abomination. Remember that in Genesis 43:32, Genesis 43:32 where it said they set on for him they set on for him by himself and for them by themselves for the Egyptians which did eat with him by themselves because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews. That's an abomination to the Egyptians. That makes for a pretty hard date. <laughs> you can't eat together. And then it says in, in, in Genesis 46, 34, 46, 34, that you shall say thy servant's trade hath been about cattle about from our youth, even until now, both we and also our fathers, that we may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. Well, the Israelites were shepherds, and the Egyptians had a special view of shepherds. They were an abomination. So, you know, that, that nips any romance in the bud. It brings, you know, look, Dad, look who I brought home with me. He's a shepherd. Oh, can't even get near him. So all right, that, that finishes all the romance. So Egyptians can't eat with the, with the Israelites because they're shepherds. They look at them as abominations. That was a great safeguard.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scanabody's Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 